everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of It's Your World. I'm your host, Jordan Brown. Appreciate you checking out the last few episodes. Been getting a lot of listens. Um, for the past couple of months, actually. And the show is actually picking up. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But before we get everything started, I want to invite you guys to a Let It Burn and Breathe Shred and Yoga event being put on by the Beyond Sports Foundation Junior Board on October 27th. 8.30 a.m. at the Under Armour Brand House in Chicago, Illinois. I'll put out the information in the show link so you guys can get there, but uh, just to let you know, you're all invited. Big shout out to the Shy Royal Diva for sitting down with me last week. She didn't have to do that, and that's one of the things that I'm really appreciative about with doing these podcasts and doing these episodes. It's my way of actually talking to people and giving them a platform to advertise themselves advertise the work that they're doing and just giving back and the thing about that last episode was i think i was in high school i don't know i wasn't in high school she was in high school when i first met her and i was in grammar school and and i was like maybe eighth grade freshman year maybe and somewhere around there so um that relationship goes back a long ways you know that's almost 10 or 12 years in a way and to have someone who has been doing the things that you want to do, who's been doing the things that um, you talk about doing, you know, like, well, I think I even said that in the intro of last week's episodes, like the introduction for entertainment, radio and all that stuff. Like, I saw her doing that when I, I think I was still in college when I was work, when, when I saw her working on that. And I was doing something totally different. And as I stated in that episode, it's like, you know, maybe this is not just what you're supposed to do. Maybe you aren't just supposed to just be a jock. You're not just supposed to, you know, go to college and play ball and do that. And, and you know, you get the education and everything. And you, and you you take that stuff to the next level. Like, But maybe there's someone out there putting something out there in front of you, unbeknownst to you, that you may be trying to get into later on in life. And that's why that was a special episode to me. Um, I appreciate her taking the time to sit down with me. And then at that time, she was being a mom. Like, she's a mother. And, and, and to be able to take time to say, you know what? I'm going to sit down with this dude that i know since he was, like, a little kid. So I had to be, like, 13, 14 years old, you know. And the idea that, um, you know, that she would even remember me. Um, and, and to say, you know, okay, I'll sit down with you. And I'll, I'll have an interview with you with um, her body butter cosmetic line you know that all natural stuff and everything like that making a move like a shift and and that's what we're seeing a lot of people talking about hey let's be more natural let's do this and then to see somebody that was doing that in the privacy of their own home and then they bring it to the forefront and they put it out there for people to use um commercially like that's dope as fuck man (laughs) you know what i'm saying like to to have that confidence and and the the gumption to say you know what this is something that i think could work. This is something that I think it helps my family. Maybe it'll help yours. Like that's a great idea, and I I liken that to the same thing with me on stage and talking about a lot of different things. But you know, thank you Naima for being on the show. Thank you for taking the time to sit down with me because you didn't have to. You know, and that's that's I I know I say that a lot. <laughs> I, I say that a lot, and I say that because everybody has a choice. Everybody has a decision to say. You know, th- th- is this for me? Or is it not for me, you know? And even be able to talk about her doing radio and everything, like I stated earlier, and just all these different avenues and these different lanes that she's in right now, and then to be, like, successful at that, like, that should be commended, you know? That's something that we should be talking about. That's the main reason why I wanted her on the show. That's the main reason why I wanted to sit down with her. That's the main reason why it's something that I feel like you guys need to hear about. And I appreciate that love, man. Thank you for even following any page thank you for liking the picture you know just like that's that simple stuff like that means a lot um but this week i have a guest very special guest i know i say that every week but very special guest mr b right who has been a comic for a long time man. and that was something that i didn't know and i sat down with him i was like wow dude i had no idea you had been doing comedy that long i didn't know that you walked away for a little bit and then you came back to it and it's, it's something like about this stand-up comedy stuff that really just it's eye-opening man because everybody comes from different places and, and it reminds me of being able to sit down with people with um 
different backgrounds from college, you know, and not only just being in school with those people, but even the people that I played with in college, you know, I played ball with, um, we all came from different places, and then we worked, if that makes sense. And it's almost like the same thing he's doing right now with comedy and the Dream Team. You know, they, they have a group, and they all are great comics, all different walks of life, very, very different styles, and they work together. And they're successful. They put on shows. Everybody's got their own mic and different stuff like that. But be right, man. Like, he really just put me on this stuff in this interview that you guys are going to hear. Like, I didn't even know that. Um, he talked a lot about his personal life, and when people open up to you like that, I think that's the best part about doing the podcast to me, is finding out that most people want to get on stage, or they want to put their businesses out there and everything like that, but they want to give you insight onto who they really are. They want to give you insight onto what they're really doing, um, and how they got there. I think that's that's really um, satisfying for me. Uh, I think we're living in a time now where we're very open, but everybody is very closed off. You only get to see certain stuff for certain people. And as you listen to this episode, you're going to hear some stuff, you know, about his home life that he brought out when he was younger, uh, what he's doing now, and and his plans for the future, and how he got to this point. You know, like... A lot of people don't do that. Um, we're looking at social media. We've seen a lot of different things. You see people talk about stuff that, you know, they want you to hear about. And when he sat down and he said a lot of stuff to me during this interview, I was really impressed, man. Like, dude, you you are doing some big things. And, again, he's talking about family life. He's talking about where his um, influences come from, who his role models are when it comes to comedy and some of the stuff, like for me, he was like, man, in my head, I'm doing this one thing and I want to come out a certain way, but you know, maybe it won't. But when I hear him on stage, I talk like when you look at this dude and you hear him speak and, and do his sets on stage, you're like, man, like this guy has been doing this for years. Um, I, I never would have thought he was doing what he was doing on stage, you know. It seemed like it was so natural, and I think that is the very intriguing thing about comedy to me. Everybody has their style, um, and everybody has the people that they look up to. They have the people that they think they're trying to emulate, and it does not come off like that at all when this dude is on stage. At all. And I mean that. And that's a serious, honest opinion from me, bro. Like, B-Wright does his fucking thing on stage, and I would have never imagined that's what he was channeling. I would have never imagined that's what he was trying to do. And it just works. And, when, and, and, and he talks about it, too. He's saying, like, you know, maybe maybe there's no such thing as a natural comedian. Maybe there's no such thing as somebody who's natural at doing this or doing stand-up. But he is almost like a teacher, and he's a little bit older than me. I I know he's gonna hear this because I'm. <laughs> I know he's gonna hear this, but it's like, not not so much a teacher in a way. It's like you know he'll tell you about what you're doing wrong and all that stuff like that. But like when you listen to him talk on stage, it's really powerful. It's really one of those things where you're listening to this dude and you're like, man, um, he really means this shit. You know, he really took time to put this shit together. You know, it's almost like a lesson plan in a way for him. But um yeah, I hope you guys really enjoy this episode. I hope you guys enjoy other episodes. Don't 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 be afraid to go and check out the older ones because I feel like there's some stuff there that you guys need to listen to. You guys need to hear. There's some people you guys need to check out or or be a patron to. You know, I actually just kicked it with um family friend Taryn Harmon of Teas, Cakes, and Confections, and I talk about her, too, a lot because, you know, that was the person I listened to her episode a couple of days ago, and I'm like, man, like, we were just talking about her putting together her bakery and what she wanted to be, and now she has one out in the burbs, you know, so um, feel free to reach out to her at Teas, Cakes, and Confections. Please follow Be Right on Instagram. I hope you guys um, enjoy this episode, and... You would never expect all those different types of people to come together and do yeah, comedy. I didn't expect the cook to come from the back. That's right. <laughs> and do some comedy. 
Next thing I know, the bartender walks up and does comedy. Chops. I'm like, man, this is, like, this is crazy. That is a weird group. And and then for them to move to the other, Mr. Moe's, and then everybody still follow a little bit. It's not as, as much of a following as it was before, but that shit was... Um, I like Mr. Moe's, but sometimes when I walk in Mr. Moe's, I ain't gonna lie, I feel like I'm interrupting a clan meeting. I'm it like, is a super white place. Like, it's always old white dudes sitting at the bar. And I'm like, if I could make them laugh, if I could make anybody, anybody laugh, this New York-ass face. <laughs> if I could survive this. You got a New York face. You got a New York face. <laughs> for real. But I'm like, uh, you know, Bryce. Bryce is like the white me. You know what I'm saying? So it's like bizarro world of me, right? <laughs> like, so I looked at him like, so if I was white, this is what I'd look, like. look like. <laughs> they probably look like. Like I said, even those two together is still a different group. Uh, Bryce and... And, um, Calvin and uh, James O'Hearn. Oh, yeah, like that, that whole crew is just like, y'all like all different, but then they ride together real hard like that. James, I call him Jimmy, but Jimmy funny, like he'd get on the mic and but say But he's like, he don't be trying. He'd say relentless shit on the mic, <laughs> and then next thing you know, like in person, he got like maybe four words for you. That's real about quiet. It. I think that's how, that's just, that might be a part of his image. You never know, man. Like, who the fuck is he, Andy Kaufman? Hey, dog. Not even that, because he's not even like he is animated or anything like that. Like that on stage, it's just always shit that's stupid as hell that he says. He'd be like, "Yeah, that don't make sense. That it's like that in real life." And what's tripped out is, is that I like animated comics more than I like cerebral comics. But I don't think, I'm, but I'm a cerebral comic. Right. I was gonna say that, like, I would never thought that either. But I'm saying would be right. Uh, member of the the illustrious Dream Team Dream comedy team. team uh, Met this cat at, like we said, a star bar, which was like a dive bar that turned into an open mic hub with people from all over the place coming. I think place we, was dope. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't th- and I would have never thought that was you, man. Just animated comics, that's what you would do. I love animated, I love Cat Williams, man. He a real mm-hmm. animated comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Chris Rock, he's cerebrally animated, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Because his voice, man. Yeah. Just like you hold it on to every word with them, but like I think your voice is like that in a way too, man. Yeah, in a way, I mean, because you gotta sit and really listen to some of the jokes that you say. And, and I was having this conversation the other day with somebody about it. it's like I don't really know if he making this shit up or this shit real. <laughs> Sometimes it's just like, but it's observational stuff, so it's more you can relate to it more. I, I really do put uh, deodorant underneath my stomach. I just, I just start talking <laughs> people about that. You know, I'm glad it's getting colder outside because. Uh, I hate that extra step, so I talk about it. I'm like, yeah. man, I'm so tired of putting deodorant underneath my stomach because you never know when you're going to get that phone call in the middle of the day. <laughs> Shorty talking about some, I'm in the parking lot, and now I didn't put the Airy Double X underneath my stomach. <laughs> and, and, so now you're going to get the gut aroma. You don't want the yeah, gut aroma. Yeah, the, the under, underbelly. <laughs> don't want to hit her with the undergut. <laughs> But that's what I mean. That, like your voice, even just saying that shit is just hilarious. The way that it came off. But, um, dude, what has comedy been like for you, and how long you been doing this, man? Man, honestly, it's been like off and on. Like the first time I ever got on stage, and a lot of people don't know it. People think I'm really new. But the mm-hmm. first time I ever got on stage was 2004. Okay. Damon Williams had brought me up on stage, and uh, and that was because he had lost his he had lost his contact in the washroom, and me and was in the washroom together. And I was already nervous to do it, and I wanted to ask him if I could go up, but I'm like, man, I was like, what you doing, man? He was like, I lost my contact, man. I was like, so you lost your contact? I these, I these, for 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 vanity purposes, or do you use these to see with? He was like, I use them to see with. I said, so you're trying to find a contact on the floor, and you can't see right now? I was like, I got you, bro. So I find his contact, and he was like, man, that shit was funny. I'm gonna put you up on stage. Mm. Bombed. <laughs> How long was the set? I was up there for like three minutes, man. Like the material I had mm-hmm. was funny, but the the cadence, my delivery was because I used to be like a freestyle rapper. Okay, I was freestyling before we right, got this started, <laughs> and uh, it was just it was just way off. I was coming off like I was a freestyle rapper. I was talking about stupid shit too. Mm-hmm. And if I do the joke now, I could do you it because my cadence and delivery is right. Did you just start working on it even more? Or? Or do you even have any of those jokes still in your repertoire right now? Only time I do it is if 
I start talking about my first time on stage because mm-hmm. what I, I did the joke that I did was about bathroom secrets and like how people would go to the washroom and do things that that people wouldn't think is imaginable. Like me personally, like I just told you about the uh, under stomach, I put deodorant under my stomach, and this gonna be this gonna, don't nobody tell nobody about this. If I'm taking a shit and I'm about to get in the shower, I'm not wiping my ass. <laughs> it's a waste of toilet paper. I'm not gonna do it. What I do is I, I go in and, and I was trying to tell the audience this, but they they just didn't grasp it back in 2004. In 2004, you <laughs> was ahead of your time. <laughs> Shit jokes just went foot toward fire back there. Do it now. So I get I'm like I get in the shower and I turn my ass towards the shower head and I look at the water and it goes from dark black coffee to. I think I might have heard you say this before. Remember that? <laughs> And as soon as it turns back to regular water, that means that my ass it's is clean, clean and I save some toilet paper, man. You gotta That's save right. money, man. That makes sense. That makes sense. I get it. Hey, why would I do that? Like, girls do things all the time in the washroom. What the you talking about? You know? <laughs> I talk about that, too. I do talk about that. Mm-hmm. The uh, female washroom at, at, at the call center. Uh, so, so you talk about work at the, at, uh, on stage a lot, too. I do. And, and then even, I think I've seen you do it on... IG, like some of your posts or something like that on like Facebook or whatever, too, have been around that stuff. So, how did you find observational comedy as your like your niche? Like, this is where I'm going, this is where I'm going to stay at for a bit. I think it's just what I do is I see what makes people laugh in real life. Mm-hmm. So, people are naturally nosy, man. So, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sitting back and watching how everybody observes everybody, especially in a call center setting. I've been doing that since I was like 17, 18 years old. So when I'm when I'm in a call center setting and everybody's just, oh look what she got on, oh I bet you that's her that's making the bathroom stink, oh I, I wonder if they screwing around and all this other stuff. So I'm like, people are naturally nosy. So if I could like bring to the surface some of like really some of the really odd stuff, mm-hmm. like I was off uh, off the mic, I was telling you about the joke about how people are addicted to seasonings and sauces. People don't realize that they're addicted to seasonings and sauces, but when I bring something to light about something as simple as food, they're mm-hmm. like, damn. I am addicted to seasons and sauces. <laughs> I gotta have that. It's not a time I, get, I freak out when I don't have this on my wings. Can't have like seasoned saltless chicken. <laughs> <laughs> gotta have it. But I think that that's one thing too. As as a younger comic, I, I don't know how much older you are than me, but I know that I'm younger a little bit. And like, I try to stick in that observational mode as well. And it's sometimes harder for me because I don't think I lived enough to, to really notice some of that shit like that. No, you can use anything, man. Like, uh, But it's, it's most important like if you're able to act it out. Really? You know what I'm saying? Like, If you observe something, act it out. Like, I've had a lot of experiences. Like, This has been my escape since I was a kid. I've mm-hmm. always wanted to do comedy because in my, in my house, that's what made, that's what brought peace, mm-hmm. is laughter. Real. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I grew up in a re- really weird family. Mm-hmm. It wasn't perfect, no, right? I don't think anybody has a perfect family. Everybody <laughs> says they have a perfect. It wasn't no single parent home. Real. It was. A, I wish it was a single parent home. It might have been a little bit more peaceful, but just shit. <laughs> it's like an overcompensation thing. <laughs> that shit. That shit. No, man. Coming up in a in a in a, in a double parent home. And just watching the violence that took place. Like, my mother and father was in the damn house acting like they was the rock and fucking Stone Cold Steve Austin, man. And it was like, they had entrance music and everything and shit. I was just like, oh, okay. When you apply it that way. Like, it's funny that you say that, though, because um, a couple of days ago, my mom's called me like, man, you know what? Your sister just told me something about your jokes. I was like, what did she say? I'm saying, you be telling people I was your first bully. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure everybody's mother was their first bully. He's like, when you 10, you don't think about it. But now that I'm almost 30, I'll be like, yeah, that was some mean ass shit you said yeah, to me. It, I mean, did you, was it just me or did you just get your ass whooped with anything that was close? Just, dude, I remember getting hit by a damn cordless phone before. Like the motherfucker was on a string. Like she was. I, I she feel was, like I'm playing uh, ass whooping poker. I, <laughs> I see your cordless phone. I'm going to raise you the whole iron. Okay, <laughs> my mom, she grabbed the iron and I just knew she was going to whoop me with the iron cord. Right. Did she hit you with the, the fucking part? iron. <laughs> <laughs> it's like people, and, and then they think about it, the bad part about it is you look back on it, it's like, damn, that was pretty fucked up. But at the same time, you're like, hey, you know what? I never did whatever the fuck that I did to get that again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you got okay you, you got your ass whooped in the shape for damn sure, but... <laughs> My thing was like shit. 
I wanted to hit her back so fucking bad, man. I couldn't do it, man. man. And even at this age right now, and she like in her 60s, I'm in my 30s, I'm still fucking scared of my mom, <laughs> man. Like, man. Like, she got that whooping eye. Like, you <laughs> walking around on eggshells in that motherfucker, man. But, well, me and I, I got all sisters. I don't, I don't have any brothers. Mm-hmm. So what we did was, and shit was, wasn't horrible. You mm-hmm. know, we had a really good childhood. We grew up in the, in the suburbs. We just had a lot of city shit going on in the house. That's true. You know, so what we did was we would put on a show for family members okay. that would come over, like, on the holidays, and we would take all of that dysfunction, like, all of the fights that happened, and all of them, and just put on a show. It looked like we was doing a stage play because we okay. acting out the argument in front of our cousins, like, in a little small room and shit. Had them crying and laugh. And that shit that really happened. Yeah. So that's where you got your first comedic start, dude. Talking about it with you is you're from a whole different environment too, man. And your your comedy translates everywhere, it seems like. Man, that's uh, I'm actually writing a uh, book right now. It's called The uh, Only Black Kid in Class. Really? So that was you? <laughs> you up were there. Sixth grade. Really? The only black kid in class up until the sixth grade. Wow. I was born at Roseland Community Hospital. Okay. Uh, so you from the South Suburbs? Yeah. So I moved to the South Suburbs when I was like three years old. You know, I still had family in Chicago, so I still had those ties. So mm-hmm. I just think I, got, I was able to get the best of both worlds. My mother didn't trust white people. <laughs> so, like, as soon as school was out, and you got to keep my mother was like 24 when she had me, so mm-hmm. she was still trying to party and shit. So as soon as school was out, I have to go on 89th and hang out there. So I'm hanging with white people for the first half of my day, and then the other half of my day, I'm hanging with all black people. So now it makes sense that I could go into a white club and entertain them and then go into a black club because I've always been around both. Right. I think that was a a thing to me that I kind of... I always saw it as an advantage to start up. I think once you, once you're in those different environments and you realize, like, okay, I need to maneuver a certain way here, I need to maneuver a certain way there, but right. still maintain myself throughout the whole thing. Um, I that, had identity crisis. Bro. I was gonna ask, like, is that? Uh, yeah, hell yeah. I was talking, man. I got that talking white joke. Remember the talking? I don't know if you heard the talking white joke. That's that's, that's a real. I talk white. I know, but that's the thing. What is talking white? Like you just enunciate. No, 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 no. Is this thing on? Yeah, we record. We record? Oh, okay. So, talking white. Now, look, if I use words properly, that's me using words properly. But when I start stretching the shit out and I start singing my words, mm-hmm. oh, you guys, <laughs> what in the hell? Like, I got a joke where I say I don't use the word awesome. And then, and then I, like, play with the word, and I say, I guess I do use the word awesome. Somebody wanted to know if it was some more chicken left. I said, man, I think oh, everybody I think everybody ate the chicken. Oh, some over there. <laughs> right, you know, right. but it was just wordplay. But uh, my sister, and she's very educated. She worked for the FBI, and she got doctorates and all this other shit. She talks white. Mm-hmm. But later on, I realized she don't even talk white. She talks Elaine. She from talks like Elaine from Seinfeld. <laughs> That's a whole different language in itself. Right. Shut up! I'm like, oh. <laughs> whole different language. But it's, it's, it's one thing, though, to talk that way in real everyday life. But when you're on stage, is it something that you focusing on, or do you just... As a, uh, for, for my stage identity? Mm-hmm. I don't even focus. I just, I, at this point, I know who I am. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? At first, it was like, man, I need to talk more street. I need to talk more. Then it was like I need to talk more, uh, more proper. Mm-hmm. But I figure like just be myself, and it's gonna balance itself out. Cause there's some stuff that comes out street, and then some stuff like my narrative voice I think is proper. My act out voice, if my character needs to be street, then I do street. Right. Wow. If if if, if I had, this, I don't know if I ever paid attention to it that much with you up there. I just see it as, in the way it is, like you said, you holding court, like. Every time I see you on stage, I know you'll come with some good shit. And then, good even shit. then, going to an open mic, it's like, damn, I hope I ain't after this motherfucker. 
<laughs> man, my boy Marcus Sharp, man, like when I was going to Star Bar, that was me just coming back into comedy. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I started back in 2004. After I bombed, when Damon Williams had brought me up, after I bombed that night, Took a break. I said, man, fuck this shit. I sell dope. <laughs> I will sell. I, I will sell. I do anything with comedy right now. That was the worst feeling ever, man, but it was. It was the fact that I wasn't happy working in just a call center. Mm-hmm. It was just paying bills, but it really wasn't something I was passionate about. Mm-hmm. So shit, I was like, that. Let, me, let me just jump back in it. So in 2007, I jumped back into it and I started hanging around cats like Joey Villa Gomez and Mikey O, and I was doing a few of their shows just guest spots. Mm-hmm. And I really wasn't serious. It was like once a month I'd come out and do something, not as I am now. I had a son in 2010. Mm-hmm. I took six years. I was, I was completely focused on him. Something happened with my son in uh, 2016 where he moved out of Chicago, moved out of Illinois. And I'm like, shit, I ain't got shit else except this damn call center again. And that's when I jumped back into comedy. I jumped back into comedy in 2016. So I feel like it's just like my like a year and a half, two years in. Right. right. And how do you feel about your comedy right now? Oh, yeah. I feel like Jordan. Really? Like, okay, so this is the thing. And then every episode I ask these guests what their confidence level is and what they're doing and what they're working on. And it goes from to Kanye West confidence level. <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't Kanye West. Right. But you rate yourself on a scale from uh, college dropout to now yet. So his whole discography is this is your category so like from one to, from college dropout all the way to yeah you, you putting college dropout at one that's his first album so oh, that's okay. the number one that's the kind of, all right so now that's a new take so this whole show is about perspective and ideas and culture and all this shit that's your different that's your perspective on it so that should be where where should that be on the confidence level should it be college dropout should be actually at the end of the spectrum <laughs> because he ain't put out shit since college dropout does doper than college dropout. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, maybe them kids, but <laughs> other than that, cute kids. <laughs> but that's funny, though, because if you put the scale that way, if we change it around and we say that that's the best one, okay, we can do that from now. From now on, that's what I'm probably going to do. It's a lot of people that have been saying college dropout is what it confidence is. And I think now that you just said that, that might be when Kanye was the most confident in himself. I think he was the most confident when it was all fresh, when it was all new. Mm-hmm. I think he's still, I think he's still creative. I think I'm still creative. But when I when I use the Jordan analogy, mm-hmm. I'm not using championship Jordan. Okay. I'm using '89. Oh, Jordan. so starting now. You know, right I'm before you about to take off. I feel like '89 Jordan right Slammed now. Slammed up champion Jordan. That's what you are right now. I need to. I mean, right now I'm scoring, but. I like throwing assists. Mm-hmm. Once Jordan started throwing assists and using his teammates, like using the dream team mm-hmm. in certain in certain instances, using the cats that I deal with in Northwest Indiana in certain instances, now I feel like I'm winning, I'm winning different. Okay. The Zen is different. I feel like the the spirit of Phil Jackson is over me mm-hmm. right now. Like I was under the Doug Collins administration. Now this is <laughs> the whole Phil Jackson era. How did the dream team come about? Like was that just something that was random or just everybody being in the same place at the same time, or the right place, right time. How did that start up? Different pieces. Uh, Levi, who I call Yak, because his real name is Martel. I call him Yak. <laughs> Yak. So uh, I met him before I met Billy and, and Mike Hatchett. But then Shamika, I've known her since I was at Chicago State back in like mm-hmm. 03, 04. Uh, but uh, I met Billy at Riddles. I seen Michael Hatchett when he did his first show. Uh, and, and he didn't bomb, but it was just like weird. But I liked his confidence level. Right. And he always had that too. Man, that strong confidence. That nigga is every Kanye West. <laughs> <laughs> every Kanye West CD, and, and and this is Kanye West criticizing the CD too. So right. it's like it's just dope. <laughs> but um, I seen him, and, and I seen I seen uh, Yak. He was at a, a place with Leonard Williams. He was hosting a show in Madison, Illinois. And I just loved this joke that he did. But Billy and Shamika had already met Yak at a different occasion. So we all met up at this one spot. And uh, <clears throat> I, forget the, I forget the guy's name, but it was an open mic. So I'm like, I already know these people. And then when we was about to do the Michael Blackson show for the Star Bar that they had, mm-hmm. that was right before we said we are going to come together as a team. I ended up hosting that show, and I ended up letting everybody up on the stage. Mike Hatchett and Shamika, they lost the contest. Mm-hmm. They weren't supposed to be performing that night. I said, if I'm going to host it, I'm putting my people on. It's true. 
and you should start throwing lobs. And that's real because I think when you talk about being comics and all the people in Chicago right now, there's so many different comics, dude. And, and I think for me, the cool part about it is just seeing the faces right now. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's okay, I know who that person is, I know who this person is, I've seen this person, I've seen this. And then now, the next few months or so, maybe going into 2019, for me, it would be, okay, now venture now so people know who you are. I think it's always about the familiarity with people, too, like you said. That plus, you know, you got to attach. What I, what I like about the position I'm in is, and that's why I compare it to Jordan, because mm -hmm. Jordan had a hand reaching back with Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, but also Jordan was in the position where he was reaching his hand forward with Shaquille O'Neal and the Kobe Bryant. So he was, so he was part of two really great eras. Mm -hmm. So I think that when I get around somebody like B. Cole, who, who was an amazing comic, that's that's like a mentor to me. And that's what, too, because I, mean, I kind of get that vibe from you a little bit, bro, in a way, because I'm younger than you, but I still feel like your material is so much more mature in a way. And it's, it's presented a certain way. So it's silly shit, but it's presented. But well, that's also on purpose, bro. Because, okay. I, I, like I said, I study philosophy, I study history, and I promise myself I will not do no coon shit. <laughs> I'm not doing no coon shit when I get on that stage. I'm, I think, and that's something too that I've been kind of wrestling with, just writing shit and coming up with stuff. I think we're moving into a phase where we talk about coon shit and just being black in America yeah. now. There's a lot of coon shit out there right now. Oh. But that's the shit that it seems like is popular, but we're transitioning into a phase where I think when you're not being expressive, when you're not being yourself, when you're not rocking the, the nappy hair or whatever, you know, that's going to be, that's going to turn into, okay, that's, we gonna really find out what's really black now in the next couple of years, I feel like. I think it's just gonna create a whole different genre of comedy. I think, uh, just like they got conscious hip hop, I think they are gonna have conscious comedy. Real. You know what I'm saying? Real. Where where people not gonna before that coon shit, they like, man, I wanna see, I wanna, I wanna laugh, but I don't wanna laugh at you. I wanna laugh with you, mm -hmm. and I want you to like kind of like be a little bit more clever mm -hmm. than dressing up like a damn woman <laughs> or putting on putting on heels and acting out because what I see is a lot of monkey see monkey do shit mm -hmm. so if you see somebody and, and no disrespect to the Mr. James brand when you see Mr. James doing the sugar daddy and the girl character it, it was kind of an original piece that he did so when he did it I was like this is dope but then all of a sudden I see a whole bunch of people trying to follow suit with that and I'm like why don't you just let Mojo do, do Mr. Thing. James and, you go work on and be original? Go do your own shit. But is it parallel thinking? Is it the same idea, just done differently? or do you No, no, it's, it's, it's biting, but it's like, <laughs> you know what they got? It's biting and there's nibbling. <laughs> so, so some people will bite your whole style and be like, I'm about to bite this shit. You know what I'm saying? Like I see uh, where, where they got the videos now, where they got a picture on one side and a video on the other, and the other person want to roast the person in the picture. I see that all, all down, down my timeline. You know, monkey see, monkey do shit. But it's, it's some people that just nibble. Like, I'm going to do this, but I'm not going to do it all the way. Right. Is, is, it, is it a time now where you feel like it's... Um where can you fit in there, though? You've seen the sketches I dropped, right? Right, but I'm saying, you personally, I want to hear from you. I don't care about the sketches. I want to see where you are. Where do I fit in? Right. I mean, I just, if I can't come up with an original idea, I'm not going to drop shit. So, if I feel like I can't separate myself, I don't want to separate myself so much where I can't be included in the conversation or inclusive at all. Mm -hmm. But when I did my sketches, I did two sketches just to test it out where I'm just in my thoughts and I'm not paying attention to what what's really going on at the present time. I thought it was an original idea, you know, in a certain sense, and I got a lot of good feedback off of that. I just want to be looked at as a person that's unique with his style, mm -hmm. and he's telling it from his perspective and an original perspective. I'm not saying shit just because another person said that's how they felt. Mm -hmm. That's media shit. Like, like you're reporting on those. Like, if I watch a news story, and this is what the media is to me, the media are professional instigators. They, they give you... 
they give you a nice little window to give a fuck about something for so long, and then all of a sudden you gotta say to yourself, because they're telling you, all right, you shouldn't give a fuck about this. <laughs> We're on to the next shit. Right. So you gotta, if you're constantly trying to keep up with the trends, if you're constantly trying to keep up with what's hot and, and not being yourself, then you're gonna stay lost in this shuffle of all of these comics, bro. Mm-hmm. So you gotta like be yourself in this shit. Got mm-hmm. to. I think I think is it harder now to do that or is it? This is hard as make it. You know what I'm saying? You know, I think you have to really be paying attention a lot to um, really even want to even try to compete with comedy now. Uh, what I what I mean by that is sitting down having conversations with different comics and stuff. It's like I'm not gonna talk shit about your material because I shouldn't be paying that much attention to it. I think you should. I think you should pay attention to somebody else's material. I'm saying, as far as me being able to critique you or tear you down in a way, if that makes sense. So I'm not going to sit here and say, "Oh, well, be right talking about this." Blah blah blah, yada yada yada. Right. So, you know, if you, if you ask for my opinion on it, then I'd be like, "Okay, well, I feel like this said this," and we've had conversations yeah. like that, you know. But I'm not going to sit here and say, "Oh, well." He be talking about this, and he ain't even you know, that gossiping and yeah. all that shit. It's like you can't you can't really progress with your shit if you're worried about what the next person is doing in a way. Only people I give a fuck about are the people I give a fuck about. <laughs> That's the bottom line. Now, if I walk in a room and I see a comic doing a bit, and I know where the bit could probably go harder, if I like that person, which is probably like in like maybe the three percentile of Chicago comedians. So, then, so, so a lot of times I walk here, it's the, it's the 97 percentile that I'm walking in on. <laughs> and I just be like, that could be better. Hope he figures that shit out. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes that's like the best approach to not even say anything at all. Because yeah. even if you are adding something to somebody, like, man, I think you could do this, they might take that the wrong way. And then, then you got a whole fiasco from that point on. Too. I love when people do that to me, though. Mm-hmm. I love when I do a bit and it's a bit is never all the way done. Mm-hmm. You know, Jerry Shaffer takes like years to do his shit. So a bit is never all the way done. So when I do a joke and I come off stage and somebody be like, man, you did a good-ass job, and then put their arm around my shoulder and say, you know that one part, you could have added that in. I'm like, that's a good-ass idea. And I'll incorporate that mm-hmm. my next go-round. Like, I got a joke that I do about walking in somebody's filthy house, you know, and it's a lot to the joke, but then I'm talking to Michael Hatchett on the phone. He was like, man, you should talk about filthy-ass couples. So at that point, now my, now my wheels start rolling saying, damn, he said, you walk in a room, it smell like a garbage can in hell. <laughs> so if you hear me say it on stage, I didn't write that garbage can in hell part. That's yeah, Mike Hatchett's right. words. I took, I took that and put it in my set. Mm-hmm. But, and that's, that's, the, that's the thing, too. It's gauging who you can't, can't talk to in a way. It's like not even about liking a person. Sometimes some people just not open to it. Yeah, and constructive and, criticism. Yeah. Right, that's, man, that shit tough, man. When you try to, when you try to tell somebody, that's like that's, try to tell somebody I do something. It's like almost walking in the room while they fucking. Hey, man, you probably want to stroke a little bit left to the left, man. When I was hitting it, you know, when I was hitting it, man, she like to look to the left, bro, and close the door on their ass. Now you, what the fuck? Why would you do that? But, but in a way, you're right because that's how some people see it. It's like this is me. This is what I do. Blah blah. blah. It's like, bro. Sometimes you just gotta let people be and, and do them. It's called self-absorbed uh, ego egocentrism. You know what I'm saying? So people are egotistical mm-hmm. about what they got going on. Like they shit don't sting. Like they they ass is not the ice cream machine at McDonald's. They ass works and it squeezes out frozen strawberry yogurt the and they shit do not sting. <laughs> so they got all the answers. Sway since we want to talk about Kanye. Right. But what people don't realize is that. You don't know shit. I don't know shit. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly trying to figure out new shit. I, I'm, I'm getting books like I read the Comedy Bible. Mm-hmm. Good book. Uh, but you can't learn comedy in a book. The only way you can learn comedy is by observing comedy and studying comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, just studying it. Study yourself. Mm-hmm. Once you study yourself, because you cannot duplicate somebody else's experiences. And, and I think it's really hard to sit here and say, when we people say like who's your influences and everything like that like for me I couldn't go on stage and imitate somebody else it's a struggle to do that like yeah. I don't know if my ego is that big <laughs> but it's just like 
I can do an imitation of people, but I don't want to present myself as that, if that makes sense. I can't, I understand what you're saying. I can't. Just like you said before about who you hear, who you think you're trying to be in your head. It'll never come out like that. Right. So it's like, I, I totally feel you when you say that, but I would have never took the influences from that. I was like, I think that was you, though. My favorite three comics is who I feel like I, I try to embody mm-hmm. when I'm on stage. And I got a, I got a, a six man, but it's really number four coming off the bench. But Rodney Dangerfield, really? he's not my number one, but he's he my number two. Uh, my number one is Red Fox. Mm-hmm. My number two is uh, is Rodney Dangerfield. My number three is Patrice O'Neill. So those are my three favorite comics to just sit back and just be like, I uh, love, I love their stuff. Robert Harris. Robin Harris is my fourth man. Okay. Bernie Mac is my fifth man. I love, okay. I love their style. I love, I love their cadence. Okay. So I don't want it to get it twisted. Not that I think that they're my favorite comics. They got my favorite cadence. Robin Harris. What the hell are you going with? But that's like, I think his presentation on some of this shit is like, that's how you would say that shit if you've seen that shit. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, you've been burning back. Like, like I said, oh, this motherfucker, like, you be looking at this shit. See this motherfucker, Bobby. Like, <laughs> Look at this motherfucker, man. Like, that's how people be. Like, that's, that's legitimately how you would watch somebody do some stupid shit. Like, yeah. Bro, B, what the fuck is he doing? Look at this shit, man. You Look at this motherfucker, shit. Look at this motherfucker. You see this motherfucker? You see this motherfucker? It goes when you say it on stage. It's like, damn, that's exactly how I would view that shit. Because you know why they they my favorites is because Rodney Dangerfield reminds me of like a motherfucker that's friends with your black uncle. Black man, who this white dude? Man, that's right. He cool as fuck. He cool as a motherfucker. <laughs> you know, well, even the idea of like the last interview I did, um, she asked me who was one of my favorite comics right now, and I was like Gerard Carmichael. She's like, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah, because I think he's got the right presentation. His shit is like, it's humble, but it's not too like overbearing when you think like, oh, this motherfucker asshole. And then it's also the, t- the same generation. So your comics come from a totally different yeah. generation than mine, than mine, in a way. Man, it's hard for me to say like a, a new school comic is, is hot. Because you probably don't relate to them motherfuckers. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what the thing too for me is just like, you know, I really want to get up there and like talk. Like we're talking right now. Like this is how I want to be. And that's how his shit is too. Is just say a joke. This, yeah, I feel like that, and I think that's funny. No, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, uh, you know, what I do like though, and, and, it's, and it's weird uh, that I like him, Donald, Donald Glover. Oh, yeah. I like Donald Glover. You know, I like everything he represents. Uh, this is America. This, this is my. I like him. But what I'm noticing with this generation now is, is that it's moving towards a more cerebral. I don't have to sound hood ass black comic. You know what I'm saying? These. Like, Lil Rel might be the only one, Lil if you Rel see a stand-up too. comedy act, it comes off like, yeah, he from Chicago. Right, but it's the same shit, though, that I think that you kind of do on stage, too. Like you said, family shit, shit that happens in the household, his experiences with his life and everything like that. And even what, for me, too, is thinking, okay, well, you can talk about this, you can talk about that, you can talk about this, but can you put it together and make it hilarious? Yeah, I mean, you got to take... And I talk about this with the team a lot. Once you find your pain, once you find your insecurity, you just found your comedy. Mm-hmm. Your comedy is resting right there. I mean, you could talk about good shit, but if you watch the news, they're not going to start the news off with, a man saved a kidney. Yeah. No, it was four bodies murdered. Right, it's always something fucking crazy out of nowhere. You're right. So you start with the pain. If it bleeds, it leads. You know, like me being a me being a, a fat dude, I do a lot of shit about being fat. I'm like, but I try not to let that overbear my comedy, cause I got other shit that goes on in my world other than being fat. Fat, <laughs> <laughs> fat people get lives too. And I feel you. Fat that. lives matter, <laughs> right? That's real. That's real. Because you can do that and just fucking, you can drown people in that boring ass. I'm fat. This stuff It's just like no. Who am I as a comic, and what more can I add to on the stage? Exactly. You know, that's why tonight I got to do a show with, and I don't have to. I actually asked B. Cole if I could be as a guest on the show because I've seen Teddy Biggums, mm-hmm. Chicago comic, is going to be on the show. So if I go up before Teddy, I know, like, I don't want to step on what Teddy's going to do because Teddy's the feature comic. So it gives me a new challenge to say, I'm going to let Teddy have all the fat shit. 
I'm about to talk about the other shit right, right. and see how that challenge goes. I might, I might succeed, I might fail, but I like the test where I don't have to talk about being fat the whole time when I'm stuck. So it's like, to me, like you like the challenge of comedy too, and I feel like I'm in that mode as well, man. The challenge, man. I like it. It's 89 Jordan. You know what I'm saying? Bring them on. Bring on the Pistons. <laughs> That's every crowd that it is that ain't gonna laugh at your shit. Your face getting hot. You be like, God damn, this, I know this shit is funny. I know it's funny. Man, what 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 did this rob me that with the ninety one jets? When can we be the ninety six Bulls? But no, it's the eighty. It's the eighty nine. It's the eighty nine Jordan. You know what I'm saying? Like, still figuring this shit out. I know I I know I'm good at the craft. I know I study the craft. It's just about putting the pieces together on how I could become. Region, regionally successful. Mm-hmm. So what a lot of what a lot of comics do, and I see this is after they get one good night, or maybe they headline the for like some rinky dink ass spot in Hobart, fucking Indiana, somewhere. Now they the man. They about to go to LA. They about to sell two scripts. They about to be in a sitcom. All this shit. No, you just got you just got done performing in front of twenty eight people <laughs> at a damn bookstore. So it's, it's about being realistic in the way too, man. Like I think you can. You can get carried away a little bit in your successes. And I say that as it's small success. Like you said, it'll be you kill out a mic one night, then you go do a show, kill out a mic one night, then you just like, oh, man, I feel good. That was great. Like you said, I never go take that leap to do that Mm-mm. too soon. I think I ain't did shit yet, dog. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel. I ain't I did shit. Like, I guess that's the best approach to have. Like right now is Chicago. I wanna be as Great in Chicago, local. Mm-hmm. Then in Chicago, I've done shows in Minnesota. I've been to Wisconsin. I've been to Indiana. I've done shows there. I haven't done enough where I can say I'm a really good regional comic. Mm-hmm. It's the way things work. You local, then you regional, then you national, mm-hmm. then you global. Really? It's steps to this shit. Really? And I'm still like at step one, and I and I realize where I'm at. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna fuck if I get a stand in ovation. I got a stand in ovation one night. I was like, shit, I got a stand in ovation in Hobart. Indiana. Well. <laughs> Y'all could have sat the fuck down. <laughs> is you, but you're right. Because you, you think that that one spot is everything that you can sell yourself short a lot to, man. That's a hell of a high, man. You know, it is. Like, once you, once you really start getting people feeling your shit, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, this is a hell of a high. And you, and you do get caught up in your own vanity of, of it. Like, you walk in, well, I do. It's been nice while I walk in and just thought I was a god, you know? And then before I even get on stage, people just buying me drinks and shit. And I didn't know that this was the apple in the Garden of Eden because I feel like I failed God. By the time I get to the mic, I'm too, too drunk, drunk to, get, to get the damn jokes out. Mm. I'm like, oh, set me up, you rat <laughs> bastard. <laughs> rat bastard. <laughs> You gotta find that, like, that, and that, that, like, what's your process with that, though? Like, when you realize that, oh man, I got too hammered, what's hard to get up there? Like, do you just come in, like, I'm not drinking, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that? I, what is your approach to coming on stage? Uh, 89 Jordan. It's an 82 game season. You You're not gonna win every one. That's true. You know what I'm saying? That's so, true. what you do is you say, let me review this motherfucking tape. <laughs> And let me Where'd get my ass back out there. You know what I'm saying? Cause what, what was it like when you first bombed, though? That, that first experience? Whoo! Hey, you know what? Because I, I, I asked each comic that. I first first that experience was 04, but, but the worst experience was when I tried to perform at Jokes and Notes. Uh, the, 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 the infamous, famous Jokes and Notes. I, I don't, I don't, is infamous supposed to be famous? Infamous is negative. So just say the renowned, the illustrious. <laughs> That's jokes and Notes. Oh, okay. Right. So, so uh, jokes and notes, and um, it was uh, it was an issue with okay. at jokes and notes. What happened was I bombed, and then I had to stand outside and see all the other comments get handshakes. People walking past me, they don't even want to make eye contact with me and shit. I was like, what the fuck? Famo was there, really good, really good comment. He's just gonna try and say, man, it's okay, B, man. He was like, it was just a bad night. Man, fuck you, man. <laughs> well, with that said, I guess that's what we're gonna wrap up now, man. But appreciate the time, be right. Thank so, you. Uh, make sure y'all uh, go like, smack that in your face on Facebook. Uh, coming November 17th out in Northwest Indiana at Deep Performance Theater. I'm actually gonna be hosting the first show called that New Jack Smack. 
with a lot of new comics on that because I really like uh, the platform set for new comics. They don't get enough airplay. Uh, Dream Team of Comedy, make sure you follow that. I'll be at Cheers in Midlothian on October 6th. I'll be at Everston with John McCone on October 7th. Got a few other things coming up, so follow me on Facebook, Instagram, at B Right Comedy, D W R I G H T C O M E D Y. Appreciate it, bro. All love, man. So that was the B Right episode, guys. I really hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for tuning in. Be Right, thank you for taking the time to be on the show, bro. Like, like I said before, like I said before, I say this all the time, but you didn't have to do that, man. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I think the one thing about Be Right is like this dude is really interesting, man. And what he's got going on and what he's doing on stage and who he is really comes through. I don't think there's a lot of comics that you really get to sit down and talk to and you get a vibe for them. And you feel like, you know, I felt that. You know, when he's saying some shit on stage, it's, it's like this man is really. He's serious about it in a way, you know, and, and that's the crazy thing. He's serious about it. This shit is so funny, man. <laughs> like it's so funny, and he's so serious about what he's doing and how he wants it to come off. Like there's a there's a certain intent behind his material, and that's why I kind of want to sit down and talk to him because I know he's a, he's like I said I said it earlier in the intro. I hate to keep saying this, bro, but like you're an older cat and. You come off where you appeal to a lot of different people. You appeal to everyone in a way. And I think that's a very hard thing to do with comedy. It's very hard to have different people identify with what you're saying, what you're saying and vibe with it, you know. And I think that's the one thing that brings me to stand-up comedy. Like, I find that as a challenge, you know. Um, that's something that I want to do. That's something that I, that's something that I feel like I want to come off as on stage and you do that so naturally bro so naturally so thank you uh, make sure you guys follow him on instagram at b right comedy b w r i g h c comedy and you'll be able to reach out to him book him for shows and all that shit like that and then holla at the dream team if you want to hit him up on email it's b right comedy at live.com uh, appreciate you guys for checking out this episode don't forget to subscribe and review really appreciate the love y'all thank you <laughs>